Welcome to the podcast. We talk about all the things that are hidden in the shadows. This is Isaac, and on this bonus episode, I am uh, have the pleasure of interviewing Terry from NSPS uh, TV, a paranormal investigation group out of uh, Cedar Park, Texas. How you doing? How you, all right. How you doing? Hey. Uh, so, um, I know we were talking a little bit earlier uh, about you know being from Texas right now, dealing with the snow and everything like that. Funny enough, I'm from Texas as well. Oh, what part? Uh, San Antonio. Okay, by an hour ride from here. Yeah. Uh, I remember, I can't remember if I went to high school, because I went to high school in Blanco, Texas, and I don't know if we played your high school or not. Actually, <laughs> it sounds familiar. Uh, That's why I was like, at Cedar Park, uh, maybe? I know because we Cedar were two A. We were two A. Yeah, uh, Cedar Park is predominantly four A. Uh, they were four A. They moved up to five A because never mind. They got a they got <laughs> an extra they got an extra five kids in their school that came in from the previous year, so they jumped them up to five A. Yeah. yeah, for anyone listening, what the hell are you talking about? Two A, three? It's the size of the school. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was in a two A, which is second to smallest high school. 1A is the smallest, 2A second, you know, and 5A beginning the biggest. Well, yeah. well actually, uh, six-man is, uh, is six-man, then 1A, 2A, 3A. People really don't hear much from six-man because they cut the bill off and, you know, it's not much hype, you know, and you really don't hear many, you know, 6A, I mean, uh, uh, six, you know, players from going to playing, you know, college ball or whatever. Uh, six man, it's just basically six on six. It's like playing, uh, you know, uh, everyday football outside. You know, all different teams, they got equipment on. Yeah. But it's pretty cool once you, I mean, it's pretty cool once you get actually get involved in it. Now, you know my pain when I say, I. well, you don't know my pain because you're still there, but – I will grieve my pain of missing Whataburger. Oh my God. Yeah. Skill kidding. Your cat goes Oh, dude, Whataburger. I mean, people ask me, how do I love a Whataburger so much, dude? And it's, it's the best hamburger in the state. I mean, I, I would go as far as best hamburger in the United States. Um, when it goes to comparison, that's what I tell people. Like, the, if there's a, a, a people talk about In and Out from like California and the East Coast and stuff like that as being we're known, like being the best in competition, Waterburger, I like better, though I haven't yet to try In and Out. Funny enough, when I left Texas, In and Out just came like a week later, so I never got a chance to have it. Um, but yeah, Waterburger itself is it's if you if anybody listening ever goes to Texas, I highly suggest it. Well, you know, uh, in Austin, there's a a place called Dan's Hamburgers, and it's a family-owned business, and they will give Whataburger a run for their money. I mean, uh, to me, I give Whataburger a 10 uh, on a triple patty melt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but Dan's is, oh, my God, dude. You, you really, if you ever come back to Texas and you're coming through Austin, you have to go to Dan's Hamburgers. I mean, I'll give it a close nine and a half. They only do 100% ground meat, ground beef, and the burgers first. I mean, when it comes to burger size, I think they beat Whataburger. 
you know, but Whataburger has that 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 flavor that everybody loves. But uh, Dan's has that that grilled taste. Oh my god, dude, it's so freaking good. And their shakes are not too far behind Whataburger. Also, I mean, those guys really doing the thing. Well, me and Megan plan to go back to Texas uh, when I guess everything gets <laughs> COVID overwise, or we get vaccinated, so we actually travel and stuff like that. Because um, I know I want to do a an uh, a, a walkthrough or a, uh, Instagram live of me doing a walkthrough of the ranch, the infamous ranch from our podcast and from where I'm, I live. Because I talk about it all the time, and like in most episodes about how haunted it is and the weird stuff that's happened. So a lot of people want to see that, which is going to be one of my main things to do while we're there. But now that you mentioned that place, I'm going to try to check that out because uh, yeah. anything that would compete on a level with Waterburger on that level, saying it might be better, I got to try. Yeah, dude, you would not be disappointed for the you know the trip down here. You definitely got to stop. It, it's really unbelievable. Uh, the only reason why I can't get there because I'm literally 30 miles outside of Austin. Uh, in Cedar Park, so I I really don't want to deal with the traffic, you know, <laughs> the traffic volume, you know, and it's it, it's really. Cr- I mean, I can go there on weekends, but you know, I'm out flying my drone or doing an investigation or you know just doing a lot of uh, history. I mean, research for the investigation that's coming up next week. So I mean, there's a lot of things that you know that can stir me away from going to get a dance burger, but I'm, i tell you what, on my next available day, which I think is tomorrow because there's a little, you know, just a little bit of snow on the road and not too many people are out there. I think I'm going to head over to dance and grab me one. You convince me. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to spend, I mean, I'm willing to spend that, that $15 because it's every bit worth it. Well, now we guess get some little stuff out of the way, but I guess you just brought me to the next point and the you know reason behind the interview. Um, your parent investigation team, how long has it been? Uh, how long have you been doing it with NSPS? Uh, we put in NSPS TV together uh, almost a year ago. Uh, we are all uh, employees of Buffalo Wild Wings. So, you know, one day we just, you know, we were just talking about paranormal uh, in general. And I just happened to say, hey, let's put a team together. Uh, We've got all the elements to do so. I mean, why not just do it? And, you know, uh, one was like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. And the other two and the other one, like, yeah, man, he's the bartender. Kevin, he's like, yeah, we'll do it. And I actually had to pull one away from another paranormal team, which I felt kind of bad, but I have been knowing this guy for over 30 years. And I'm like, well, let me call John to see, because he was with uh, GTA, uh, no, GTI, that's Georgetown, uh, no, GTPI, Georgetown Paranormal Investigation. So he was, you know, and them, I called him up, you know, and I'm like, hey, I'm putting a team together. You want to do this? And I, yeah, he, Hey, he fell right for it. He's like, man, I've been knowing you a lot longer than these guys, so I'm going to go ahead and just come with you, and everything fell into place. I mean, we've been doing it for a year now, uh, and I can say, you know, ever since COVID stepped in, things really haven't slowed down for us, you know. Uh, 
I mean, at least for me, I mean, these guys that I'm on my team of 15 years younger than me, I mean, they still got kids and everything, so they still kind of have a sense of responsibility for their families. Well, I am, you know, knocking on 50. I got a little bit more time, you know, and I'm able to do things that, that these guys can't. So I'm, I'm actually able to get out and, you know, and, and to investigate, you know. But, yeah, I mean, it's been, actually our anniversary is coming up pretty soon. I mean, I don't know what we're going to do, but we'll figure something out. What does NSPS stand for? Night Stalkers Paranormal Society. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I recently yeah. joined a paranormal team myself um, called No Quarter. Um which okay. is a reference to Blackbeard because the leader of the team is an ancestor or a descendant of uh, Blackbeard. So that's what he really? calls it. Yeah, that's what he calls it No Quarter, um, which is a new team that's being built from a previous team that existed in the newborn North Carolina area. Um, okay. So it's basically built up of uh, myself, Megan, um, the, our, our fearless leader, Brandon, um, Another uh, another woman named Erica and uh, another uh, sorry another guy named uh, Mike and his wife Megan as well. We got two Megans on a team. Um, okay. Now, majority of the team, except for Brandon, I believe, all have psychic abilities of some kind. Oh, so, that's, that's very cool. Yeah, Erica, more earth based. Um, I think Megan, of course, you know, she's gaining her abilities more and more. Mine is in my hands. Um, Mike is a uh, very powerful with with like I guess guiding in the sense of knowing things from spirit guides and stuff like that. He's a good level psychic, and then of course his wife wow. has abilities on a par level with more feeling and intuition. Wow. Um, almost precog, she can like almost feel what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that yeah, team of us all together um, is what we yeah, actually. I'm we, right. Go ahead. I would say uh, we are yet to do investigation all together. We've done it with like me, Brandon, and Megan, and then um, me, Erica, and Brandon, but never all together at once. Yet, anyway. Now, I can, is that six you guys have on the team? Yes. I, I, I think you count six, six individuals. Okay. Now, uh, quick question for you, you know, because I kind of have this problem, and I was wondering, you know, how, how you know, since there's so many on the team. Uh, does each team member have a certain thing that they do when they go on an you know, investigation? Or you guys just pretty much, you know, come together and just say, hey, I'll do this, I'll do that, you know, I'll this and that. I mean, yes. how do you guys do that? Um, we each have a specific purpose um, when it comes to what we do. Um, we all can chip in when it comes to the idea of actual holding equipment to recording to anything like that but our abilities give a specific uh i guess purpose in the team myself um well i would say this brandon is the leader he's made maintenance of recording technology anything with a spirit box he handles he speaks to them he introduces he's kind of like the forefront i am almost an enforcer or bodyguard in sense like that because my ability can help detect who's there and get rid of who shouldn't be there. Um, Megan is more of a communicator. She can speak to them. She can hear them. She can feel them. She can get a strong sense of them. And they come and talk to her. Um, Mike is more like our guide in a sense of what um, he can feel spirit guides and stuff like that in a situation. He's a powerful psychic on that level too. Um, 
Erica is more like a healer in a sense. She also makes majority of our protection jewelry, like uh, the bracelet I have right here. Um, it has a crystal and some other uh, gemstones and stuff like that that will help us be protected from any dark energy that comes our way. Um, she's also she can feel, of course, energies from the, the dead as well, which I think helps in any situation because you can figure out if this place is haunted or not by just the uh, energy in a place. Um, and of course, um, Mike's wife, Megan, I don't know how much she goes to investigations with us, but um, she is more like, I guess, the, let us know ahead of time. Hey, this might happen. That might happen. You guys want to look out for that in that situation. Um, <laughs> I, I think she will go on investigations. I'm not 100% sure yet. We've only had one meeting, all of us together. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we're still like new as a group. As a group. Uh, but they all but me and my wife are experienced, um, tendered or tenured, you would say, with uh, investigating. So I myself, like a rookie, of course, my wife, you know, to the whole investigating thing. But being part of the paranormal, though, we've had that about majority of our life. Which leads me to my next question with you. How long have you been within the paranormal? Like, do you believe? Was there a certain time or has like always been around you? Uh, actually, I've always, you know, believed in the paranormal. My grandmother uh, and my great-great-grandmother would always tell me stories, you know, how they, you know, <laughs> um, how they dealt with certain things, you know, that's unexplainable. And I can actually tell you a story that really triggered my curiosity. And this is a story that, that every member of my family, uh, from my aunts to uncles to cousins, you know, uh, every time we have a family reunion, we always bring this this, this story up. So if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this quick story on actually how, you know, I came into it. Yeah, do you tell uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, and one thing, since you're from Texas, you know, I mean, uh, there are two kinds of main religion here. Uh, there's, you know, either you're really heavy on Christianity or if you in the black community, you're really a Southern Baptist. I mean, I mean, to the core. And if you're a uh, Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or a yeah. Catholic. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of you know religion here, but my grandmother uh, went to church one Sunday, and you know, like I say, her being Southern Baptist, there's your do's and your don'ts that you do, you know you don't do. Uh, she decided that she wanted to go have a drink one night at a at bar right after church, and she did. And, you know, on our way home, and the way we live at, sort of on a hill. It was on a hill, and the street was probably maybe three miles long. It was a pretty long street. And uh, she had her drinks, and she came home. It was probably about 2.30 in the morning. And um, she got out of her car, and, you know, not knowing that, you know, she, she had did something wrong, you know, she looked down the street. Three coming on the corner, she saw a chariot, you know, and she, the chariot was coming up the street, horses, everything, your typical chariot. And it, she was, you know, she walked to the door, old time screen door, she opened it, and the chariot stopped in front of the car. And uh, it stopped, and what's so weird about it, the devil himself 
jumped out of the chariot and walked up to the door. Like, how did she know it was the devil? Like, was he dressed a certain way? Uh, when you, I mean, the devil comes in different forms. You know, yeah. we all know that. But he was in his rare form in this. He had the horns, the tail, uh, just about everything. You know, the way they look at the devil back then is yeah. probably the way they, she saw it back then. Shit. You know, so, you know, he walked up to the door, tried to get into the house. And my grandmother said, well, not, you know, not being afraid, you know, because back then, I mean, women back in them days when she was growing up, they're not afraid of anything. And she was, she's like, what are you doing? What are you doing here? And he said, I kid you not, uh, I'm coming in. And she said, no, you're not. Like Gandalf on the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not coming in. You will not pass. And uh, so he ended up making his way into the house. And they started fighting. You know, at the time, she, she had kids in there, you know, sleeping because it was late. We could get ready for school. I mean, you're looking at she had 10 kids and minus all the kids that she her grandkids we were all there. And believe it or not, uh, they start fighting. Uh, and from what I heard, it lasted maybe three hours. So she actually fended off the devil from actually harming us. You know, uh, she was actually protecting us. You know, so around six o'clock, you know, time you get ready for school, shower and all that. uh, I got up and I walked into the living room and I clearly saw the damage that was done. Mm. Uh, Chairs flipped over, tables, pictures hanging off walls, uh, cabinets open, you know, uh, dinette table. I mean, every, it was just like an earthquake had went into the place. You know, we don't have earthquakes in Texas. And uh, so my grandmother was sitting on the chair, and she was in dazed and confused. And she was like, and I asked her, and I'm like, well, Grandma, what had happened? And she says, son, I had a fight with the devil tonight. And you see how quiet we we just were? That's yeah. how quiet I was <laughs> when she told me that. She said, son, I had a fight with the devil tonight. And I like, I, I was speechless. I, you know, as a, as a 10-year-old kid, you don't know what to say to that. Yeah. Because, you know, you've never experienced that. You really don't know. So I'm like, well, is that what really happened? She said, yes. And I actually saw the scratches. Scratches that I can't explain to this day on, on her leg, on her back, uh, you know, and it was just scratches on the wall on actually what I saw. I mean, if I was younger, if I, you know, if I, I should have, we should have took pictures mm. for evidence, but you know, cause this is a story nobody believes except the members of the family. And so every year when we get together and have a family reunion, we always talk about that, you know, on how our, our grandmother put her life, you know, to protect us from something that's supernatural and was trying to get into the house to harm us, you know. So, and that's how I actually jumped into the paranormal, you know, ever since that day, I mean, I, I was a believer because I actually I actually witnessed it. Well, I didn't witness it. I saw 
you know, the evidence of what was going on. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude. I mean, ever since then, I've, I've just been a believer of, you know, the paranormal. And I just happened to have the opportunity to actually put a team together this year, you know, to investigate things like that. You know, so uh, if we're able to go out and help somebody who have the same, you know, uh, the, the same uh, thing that happened to me, I'm able to go out and, you know, and, and help these people and try to explain it to them, you know, and, that, you know, and that's what our team is all about, you know, going out and helping and investigating and trying to explain, you know, because most people don't understand, you know, they see something they can understand. And that's, and I feel that that's our job, you know, to sit down and to explain to these guys on what's actually going on, and you know, and how to solve it. Yeah, well, that's, I guess the the fourth point of any good investigation team, including my my own, is we're there to help people and help places that have any places well, so far any darkness, and that in trying to help people um, understand and get through things that involve things that they can't get help from anyone else. Like the Warren said at best, you know, people go to the police when they need help with that, but people have no one to go to in situations like this. And we're here to help them. And that's kind of a motto I want to live by, especially when it comes to supernatural and, and helping people, because whether they want to believe it or not, this stuff is out there and um, it can be harmful or it can just, you know, be, there to, 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 I guess, be helpful to understand that there is an afterlife and there is something after um, what was because uh, you talked about that was a scary moment for you, <laughs> you as a kid and stuff like that but what's been like the scariest moment in a current investigation that has happened let's say in the last year to uh, believe it or not we did an investigation at uh, a slave cemetery mm-hmm. called Bethany Cemetery this is an abandoned cemetery it's a cemetery where uh, you got old, you know, you got slaves there. Uh, you got people from World War II have died there. I mean, had died and they buried them there. And we actually did an investigation at this place. <laughs> and what's so weird is the cemetery is probably three to five acres. I'm not quite sure. And, you know, I just took pictures of everything I can see. I mean, I'm just snapping around. And I just happened to come around a tree and and I took a picture of that tree, and I didn't think about it. You know, we carried on with our investigation, and I turned around and took another picture of that tree, and I, and I just walked off. You know, that tree just for some reason it caught my you know it had my attention. Yeah, I I, I don't know what it was, but it had my attention. So I went and took another picture and. We came when we came home from the investigation. It was a great night, uh, and we looked at all the video. I mean, we had video on laptop. We had videos from the cameras on the TVs and everything. We were just scanning through, and I just happened to look at that. I looked back at that tree, and I'm like, "What is that?" And we blew it up. <laughs> The same, it was an entity actually looking at me, looking at the tree, and it freaked me out because I re and I'm like, why is my attention on this tree? I was thinking about that yeah. during the investigation. Now I figured out why because 
there literally an entity. You actually see the hands of the entity on the tree with his head looking around the tree, just as curious as I am as, you know, him, me looking at the tree, he was looking at me. So I'm like, whoa. And not only that, that same tree, I, I mean, it was something about that tree because when we uh, looked at it again for the second time, that it was just that particular tree. We found entities in the tree. I mean, we it, it was just things that we couldn't explain. So we had to go and circle every little thing that couldn't have been explained, you know, and we're like, so, and we passed the evidence on to another team. And, you know, just to get, you know, just to see, I mean, what do you see? I mean, what do you think? And sure enough, they couldn't explain it. And it's like, man, you either you got a monkey in the tree or <laughs> there's something in that tree. And, you know, and I'm like, guys, that tree had my attention. I took at least three photos of that tree, you know, for me just to see that entity looking around that tree and looking at me and I'm looking at it, but I didn't know I was looking at it because I couldn't see it. And dude, I, I was like, I was mind blown. I'm like, whoa, I mean, that, that, that was pretty creepy, you know, but yeah, that, that was probably, and to this day, I still put those photos out on my Facebook page so people can see and, and they can, you know, just for themselves on what they think it is. Is there a lot of haunted yeah, locations in Cedar Park? Uh, you know what? Most of the people in Cedar Park, um, if they got something going on, they're not going to tell you because mm. they are, what's the word for it? They, what they don't know, you know, over here is what you don't know won't hurt you. Oh, so yeah. if, you don't, if you don't know about it, then it's out of sight, out of mind. And so don't get me wrong. I've had maybe two or three calls of people, you know, telling me uh, what's going on. But, you know, either they back out because they're scared of what we're going to find and they have to live with that or, you know, or they can call a priest in, which we have one available, you know, and try to bless the house. Most most of the people in Cedar Park don't want to deal with it. You know, they rather just say, hey. You know, I'll let, I'll move, you know. <laughs> okay, I'm like, well, you can move. I mean, it's up to you, but, you know, uh, I, I'm just here to help you. I'm here to, you know, to protect yourself, you know, or we can help you get rid of it. Yeah. It's up to you. Uh, do you ever, like, branch out from Cedar Point, like go someplaces maybe in Austin or? Yeah, uh, Austin uh, is our focal point. Because one thing about Austin, it's so diverse, you know, uh, from its history. Uh, there's plenty of places that you can go. Uh, that's one of my things as a paranormal, as a founder of NSPS. Uh, and I tell the guys, I'm like, man, we're not ready to leave Central Texas because there's so much history here. Yeah, uh, You can basically find anything you want and you can go investigate it. I mean, uh, east of Austin, you got uh, Western Ghost Towns. You can go invest. Uh, south Austin, you got slave plantations. You can go and you know investigate. In West Austin, 
Uh, West, you got Indian reservations if you choose to go invest. If you dare, if you you can go investigate. And you know, and North Austin is where most of the settlers, uh, uh, you know, that come into Central Texas, they have settled in the Georgetown, Round Rock, uh, Cedar Park area. So there's a lot of history there. I mean, it's just a lot of history everywhere where you can just go. You know, and 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 investigate, and believe it or not, I can almost say eighty-five percent of these places have have not been investigated. Jeez, you know, yeah, I know. It's like it's just a treasure trove of uh, <laughs> locations where you can investigate. Yeah, it, it it's a lot, man. You know, it's a lot of history here. You know, I've uh, um, and I'm thinking, you know, it'd be another year. Before I, I think I even venture out of Boston, you know, just for the fact, you know, there's so much history and there's so many things to discover. And, you know, and there's so many cemeteries and in, in, uh, urban places where people have abandoned and you can just go and investigate. Now, there's a few places that um, if my team was ever able to go to Texas, I know I, one place for sure would be investigate the ranch um, that I'm from. But there's a few other places that I know I would want to go to um, that I've seen. Um, one being the Swan House or the Black Swan Inn in San the Antonio, Swan. which I actually got to see the outside of because um, I can't remember if it's a Black Swan Inn or a place that looked exactly like it. Um, okay. No, that's right. The Black Swan Inn is more of a rural area um, from where I was. Yeah. I saw some other haunted, uh, like old Victorian building downtown San Antonio. I was playing a show because I used to be in a band, uh, and we played a show at this club that was downtown San Antonio area. And I remember I was on the Riverwalk area, and I could see this place. And I looked across and I asked a friend, "Hey, what's that over there? Like, it's an old place." Like, "Oh yeah, that building's haunted, dude." And I was like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's supposed to got like what? a bunch of ghosts <laughs> and stuff in there." I was like, "Oh shit!" Like you said, it was like um, an old hotel or something in the downtown San Antonio area, which downtown San Antonio alone has its fair share of haunted hotels. Yes, sir. Sure does. Uh, actually, I, you know, my bucket list to, to investigate is the Alamo. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> that's not a, just, you know, not just the Alamo itself there. I mean, if someone's death there, uh, you can actually walk on just the grounds at night and, you know, you could probably pick up something. I mean, because if you look at all the people that died around, you know, around that place, yeah, you know, during the Texas Revolution, I mean, you'd be surprised. I mean, that's definitely on my bucket list. Yeah. And also, another one I wanted to go to is the Baker Hotel in Mineral Wells. Uh you know, talking about actually, yes, I do. Yeah, I had a friend. I got a uh, actually, there's another paranormal team, uh, that went there, and you know, and I really, I don't know, you know, people investigate different. Um, he called me up, uh, probably around like 1 30, and you know, he was like, Hey, Terry, I need for you to bring my SLS camera up the uh, up to Mineral Wells. I'm like, Wait a minute, it's two o'clock in the morning, that's a four hour drive. Yeah. I got to work in the morning. That's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I he, I got off the phone with him, and he called me back the next morning. And I, 
he's like, man, I think I wasted my money at that place. And I'm like, why would you say that? Did you guys catch anything? And he actually, they actually didn't have any luck whatsoever at that place. Mm. Now, I, it's a place where, you know, <laughs> 50 million paranormal investigators have went to. So maybe they scared all the ghosts away. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, and I actually thought about going up there and checking that place out. But, you know, since they said it, you know, uh, they didn't have any luck. Uh, I've just scratched it right off the list. You know, uh, I, I don't think I'm going to waste my time with it. Mm. Well, I don't know. Uh, I guess I'll do some <laughs> scouting beforehand, um, yes. which, which makes my, I guess, my ability, um, uh, like it's valuable in a sense. Well, amongst other ways, but I can be able to scout an area and feel around and let people know. Yeah, oh yeah, there's something in here, or there's not. If I walk into a location, I don't feel anything in my hands. Then there's nothing there. But if I get a charge in my left or my right, they'll tell me that something's there. Well, you know, if you ever in, I, we can actually use you for an investigation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually, um, there's a place just west of cemetery just west of austin or cedar park called uh, babyhead cemetery Baby uh, if you want babyhead cemetery <laughs> uh, if you want yeah right. if you want you can do a little you can do a little history on this place uh as i was just telling you west austin i mean west texas is where you know it's a lot of indians you know well make a long story short um some settlers came in to West Texas and they wanted to settle down there. And the Indians, they warned them three times. Like, no, you can't settle down here. This is our land. You know, we we actually, you know, we live here and we can't have you guys coming in. They told them three times. The third time, the Indians actually had an uprising. Uh, they To set an example of not to do what we ask you to do is they chop the baby's head off and they put that baby's head on the top of a, of a mountain. Now they never found the mountain, the the baby's head, but the body is buried in baby head cemetery. Now from that point on every child that is, you know, that has passed on or has died were buried in that cemetery. It's just recently that they start putting adults there because uh, it was an overflow at another cemetery down the street. So they start putting adults in that. So we actually had an investigation at that, and it was just two of us. Um, we actually, like, we, yeah, <laughs> dude, it's, it's weird because we actually, when we did that investigation, it spooked me out so bad. Um, we were actually playing with the flashlight. And the and and Mario, and uh, Jeremiah was like, uh, "If you want us to go, turn the flashlight off." So we asked that question. The flashlight didn't come on. I mean, it didn't turn off. So they wanted us to stay. So we hung out with them. Uh, Jeremiah decided to go ahead and put some Indian music on. You shouldn't have done that because I think that the, the cemetery came alive at that point yeah that is a um 
a situation and a problem if you don't know which native tribes are in the area of a place that's being right. say haunted by them. That's why it was an idea I had for our current place we go to called the Octagon House in um, in Newborn, North Carolina, and we actually investigating the woods outside of uh, the Octagon House, maybe about a hundred yards away from it, the actual Octagon House. And I remember I suggested, well, if you want to make peace with the native spirits that are here, uh, why don't we just play some Native American music that I guess would be close to the area? And Brandon uh, said that if we don't know the actual music that's for them, it could be a warring tribe and it actually might offend them and piss exactly. them off. And we don't want to do that. So yeah. you might have played something that was a warring tribe and not exactly for them. And they might like, oh, they're they're trying to declare war. Let's, you know, let's <laughs> get after but them. Yet- yeah, I mean, that day, that night, when we asked that question again, and the flashlight went off, Ooh. it's like, it's time to go. Yeah. But in the meantime, we actually, we found the baby, that the first baby that was there, and we set up our SLS camera, and as soon as we did that, there was a little baby right in front of the cemetery. I mean, right in front of the, of the tombstone. And she was trying to grab uh, Jeremiah's hand and, and shake it. And we're like, oh, Jeremiah, did you, did you see this? So, yeah. So, actually, I had to put the thing down and so he can see it. I went over there and they trying to grab my hand also. It was a very interesting night. And, you know, and this cemetery can have been no more than five acres. And it was half full. But the thing is, everybody that was born there, I mean, that died there, uh, was late eighteen, uh, late eighteen hundreds, all the way up to uh, nineteen fifty, or maybe 19, you know nineteen forty before it stopped. But then, when like I say, when that other cemetery started overflowing, they started putting people in there. But I can say eighty-five. Yeah, if, if you go there now, it's probably eighty-five percent kids. And, you know, and what's so and what's so weird about it? The kids are so friendly with you. I mean, there's nothing uh, menacing about that place. Mm. I mean, the kids were just as curious as you know as we were when we went there. You know, uh, it was just unbelievable, my man. Yeah, good place. Uh, yeah, there's a. At the Octagon House, there's a little girl named Kate, and she makes herself known every time we use it. Spirit Box. Um, she talks. She she she's very. Uh, uh, she what's the word I'm looking for? She she she's not afraid to, to speak to us to let us know. She's almost like a guide. Anything questions you have, she'll answer. Um, and what I, well, one I guess another thing about my abilities is my left hand feels, absorbs, acknowledges any lights or good human spirits in a sense. A verse to the right will feel anything dark, evil, or possibly demonic, depending on the situation. But um, when we were there last time, I actually felt a strong sense of energy in my left hand, and it felt like someone was holding my left hand. Wow. To which Brandon asked, or Kate, are you holding Isaac's hand? And she goes, yes. She acknowledges wow. the question right off the bat. So I was like, okay, I know it's her <laughs> holding my hand. Um <laughs> Which she she did that on and off the entire time we're there, but that's how I knew, or she knew which hand to go for. She didn't go for my right; she went for my left. Yeah. So, you know, hey, that's yeah. something right there. I, you know, one thing about me is maybe I'm a little sensitive or whatever. I mean, I really don't know, but I feel comfortable 
and you know just sitting with the dead and just hanging out with them. So whenever I go to a cemetery, you know, by myself sometimes because the other guys are, are aren't available, and I know I have to do like a certain you know investigation. You know, I I just feel comfortable there. You know, and when I start talking to them, I mean, it feels like you know they're actually listening to me. You know, on on what I have to say, and sometimes when I put my spirit box on, you know, I, I will get a response on the question that I had asked maybe two minutes, you know, before I even cut the spirit box on. You know, I believe as crazy as that sounds, but it actually happens, you know, to me. And I believe it or not, I go to some of the most creepiest cemeteries in Central Texas. I mean, I've actually had grass. I'm five foot nine, five foot ten. I actually had grass come up to my chest, not knowing what's at the bottom. It could be a snake or, you know, <laughs> an, an unmarked body. You, you wouldn't believe how many unmarked graves I actually walked into because, you, you know, they're not marked. And, you know, it's just wear and tear from uh, years of, of weathering where, you know, it just sunk in. So, so when you actually walk into a sunken in grave, you know, uh, and all that weight from your waist down hits your knee, you feel like your knee's going to buckle. You know, so it, it, yeah, sister. So, so actually, I've, you know, I've, I've done that, you know, and I just feel, I just feel at home, you know, when, when people see things that they can't explain. Their first, you know, their first instinct is to do what everybody else in the world does, except for paranormal investigators, and that's run. (laughs) You know, if you see something you can't explain, you're going to run. If you see Jason with a knife in the middle of the woods, you're going to run, you know. (laughs) Well, that's why I I told uh, our lead investigator, Brandon, it's like, if we see a shadow out there and my hands are not charging, that's a person. Yeah. <laughs> that's an actual well, yeah. person. That's a real life human it's being right person. there in the fucking woods. So, and <laughs> I've, I've, I've actually, when I was in, uh, in the cemetery, I actually ran across my fire, my very first shadow person, and you know, and he or she was just as curious to see what I was doing as you know, uh, compared to what me knowing what it was doing. Because uh, shadow, one thing about shadow people, they never actually come up on you. They always stay a, a certain distance from you, you know, to be observant and just to see, you know, what are you up to? So this particular, you know, shadow person was uh, right beside of a tree, you know, and I was in Williamson Cemetery and uh, another slave cemetery. And I was just, you know, my first instinct was to get the hell out of there. Mm. You know, you see something you can't explain, you know, and I knew right then it wasn't a person because I was literally on that side of the cemetery, literally two minutes. Uh, you know, I walked, you know, literally two minutes from that previous spot, you know, and I looked back and I'm like, oh, my God, dude, what am I going to do? Am I going to run or I'm, I'm going to be a true investigator? And, and stand my ground and try to figure out what's going on. So, hey, me being the true investigator that I am, you know, I've, I actually tried to have a conversation with it 
I mean, uh, and you know, it didn't respond. It basically was curious because it followed me around the whole cemetery, you know, as I was investigating it, you know, and, and to me, I really don't think it was something sinister. I, you know, I just really, I, I just think it was something or someone who, who was curious, you know, on uh, what I was doing there, yeah. you know, and what's so weird about it. I, I constantly say that every cemetery I go to, you know, cause every time, you know, cause every time I go to a cemetery, I see something and explain, and they're always looking at me, you know, wondering what the, what I'm doing there or, you know, and I, I don't know, dude, I can't explain it. You know, maybe, you know, maybe I got some kind of psychic thing going on with me, you know, with cemeteries, but I, I, I feel very comfortable there. You know, I really don't have no rush to leave one. You know, uh, I, I can talk to them all day, you know, because just like they have a story to tell, I have a story to tell, you know, and, you know, trying to explain to them, you know, because some of them are curious, you know, because. Most of them don't know what a camera is because back in the day, they never seen ones, you know. Yeah. So, you know, when you see one or you think you see one, you got to explain to them what's in your hand. You know, it, it, it won't harm them, you know, and and just trying to, you know, smooth them down just a little bit, you know, because actually, you know, these people are still people. They, you know, they're still curious uh, on what, you know, I'm doing, you know, and, I, and I'm just as curious to know what they're doing and what they're thinking. So it, it's it, it's like a two-way street. Yeah. What would you say is your favorite uh, piece of uh, equipment to use investigating? My favorite piece of equipment would have to be my uh, well, actually, I, I would say my camera. I mean, my cameras aren't the most expensive cameras. I probably pay reasonable prices for them, but I'm able, you know, just to go along and snap pictures, you know, and just hit a button, just snap, 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 snap. So I would have to say my camera, you know, because with my camera, I was able to catch, you know, a lot of entities on them. And, uh, and, and you know, and yeah, I'll have to say my camera, hands down. Uh, <laughs> I really can't. I, I, you know, I have a, uh, a a ghost box, and I really and I have a uh, ghost meter. I use those, you know. And but I just, uh, I, for some reason, I just haven't had that success with those as I do with my camera. Yeah. Well, I want to say we're skimping on technology on our end or equipment wise, but uh, I think Brandon has most of it, not all the equipment we have. Um, we have to get a camera so we actually can record. Um, uh, we call it actual footage, uh, but I think he's got digital recorder, typical like, little tiny ones, um, a uh, EMF detector. Okay. Um, uh, then we use a spirit box app. Uh, was it the Necromancer or something like that? I think it's like ten bucks on uh, Apple or wherever you get on apps, and it actually works very efficiently. It's about that's the the, the same. App and I remember he said, and I agree with like most apps for paranormal stuff on on your phone is doesn't really work. But this one, this one, it's a test uh, that it actually 
is about 90, if not higher percent accurate when it comes to picking up voices and stuff like that. And that's the same one we use when he asked Kate, you know, are you holding Isaac's hand? She replied, yes. If she can hear her voice say it. Um, but yeah, I think our next thing, he wants to get an SLS camera so we can actually can, you know, use a, a grid and map out and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and probably like a night vision camera that actually can see when we record at night. You know, actually, I just spent about $200. Actually, it's a night vision camera and a telescope. And, and at one, it comes all together. So I can actually pop the, the, uh, the lens off and actually use it as a telescope to look up at the moon. And once I put the, the, the thing back on, I can actually record and uh, do some uh, ghost hunting with it. Uh, but I've never took that thing on an investigation. Man, I, I have three, I have seven cameras here uh, for all different types of reasons. You know, uh, you've always need a camera for, uh, always use two cameras for stationaries, you know, with the tripods. Uh, I use one in my hand and uh, just about every investigator has a camera in their hand. Uh, if they don't have a camera uh, in one hand, you know, they have something else in the other. So, you know, um, we try to get as detailed as we can. Uh, yeah, man, we seem to run through mics like crazy. I don't know if they just cheat mics or what. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of weird. So I've had like maybe 10 mics just floating around the house, you know, if one goes bad. I just happen just, you know, to have an extra one. I mean, they're like two bucks, but you know, I, <laughs> I really can afford it. But yeah, I mean, I am thinking about, I, I don't know. I've, I've been trying to uh, get a lot of people to, uh, I, I got something that I want to experiment with it. You know, since I have a cat and, you know, and he comes on, you know, my command, whenever I snap my fingers, she'll come running. I was thinking about putting a camera on a cat and taking it to a cemetery. It would be the first <laughs> ever cat camera. So, what do you what do you think? Put a GoPro on her and say so the running around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, cats are a little bit more observant. They see things we can't. Just like I think dogs can. Is there, uh, I've seen that. Uh, it's their extra sense, their ability to that, uh, plus their cat's connection to the underworld in different religions of the past and stuff like that. That cats can yeah. actually see the uh, spirits, can see them. Dogs can sense them. They can feel, they can hear, they can smell, but they, I don't know if they can see them. And it, uh, was it the, the old legends that the cats can actually physically see them? So if your cat's paying attention yeah. to something in their room that so you can't I, see, I, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and I'm really thinking about actually putting a GoPro on her and getting, you know, just letting her go in the cemetery and just see what it captures. I mean, yeah. that would be very interesting. Have you brought anything ever home um, with you? No. I've ne- oh, yeah, well, my wife. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, I'm trying to send her back. <laughs> But no, uh, we have a ritual. A ritual. We say a prayer every time, no matter where we're going, residential, uh, commercial. We always say a prayer outside, and we always say a prayer when at the ending of the investigation. 
you know, uh, and no, I've never had anything come home with me. Uh, I, hopefully I will never have anything, you know, because I'm the type of guy that shows a lot of respect towards the, uh, you know, the dead or just, you know, whoever, you know, so I think respect goes a long way. I mean, I never try to entice anybody, you know, or call anybody out, uh, you know, you know, for that reason. So, yeah, no, nah, I've never had that problem. Mm, that's good. Hey, some investigators, when they start out, like you know, the rookie move is to not do some kind of form of protection or have some kind of protection to prevent them from following you home. Because uh, I've known or seen a few cases and read a few cases, heard a few cases of people like trying it out, and then they something comes home with them, and they get extremely haunted, or they bring the wrong thing home, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I, you know what? You know, it's me being a uh, paranormal investigator. People have asked me a, a million and one questions. You know, uh, do I use Ouija boards? Do I believe in Ouija boards? Uh, would you use a Ouija board? I and the answer is no, no, and no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to open up any doors whatsoever. So my thing is to leave everything closed. Uh, even when I, you know, go somewhere where I think that a door ha- has been opened, I would not use a Ouija board to try to close that door. I don't even think you can. I mean, I, I really don't know if-, if you can do that. Well, I never use one myself and probably never will. But uh, I know enough about what to do and what not to do if in case the situation ever comes awry. Um, basically, when you open up the session, you have to close the session by saying goodbye. If you do not, the portal or whatever you brought through is still allowed to be there. So, right. Um, yeah, so. I'm not, I'm just, it's just something I've never messed with. And as I tell people, it's not the Ouija board per se. It's You can have a Ouija board you make yourself at a cardboard and just writing stuff on, on, on it. It's the act of doing it. It's the act of invitation of allowing something to come into your home or come into that conversation with you. Yeah, I mean, I've seen enough movies to know. <laughs> Brothers and Ouija boards don't mix. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't do that, you know. Uh, like I say, I try to keep it as simple and plain as I can. You know, I would ask the basic questions, you know. Uh, I try to, you know, because people back in, in the days really don't know all these big words that we use today. They, I mean, so you kind of got to keep it simple and plain for them so where they can understand, you know, because if you go pop a big word at them, they're like, huh? You really don't, they, that they wouldn't understand it whatsoever. Then again, you never know. Uh, so yeah, I, I try to keep my questions simple. Uh, like, and I don't, you know, no Ouija boards, you know, uh, no medallions, none of that stuff, you know, uh, no pendulums, you know, I, I just keep it simple. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I guess one of my last questions, um, which is, is a specific question for you. And I guess specific question that I have been asked. And I didn't know this is true until it was asked of me, but how do you feel being a person of color in the paranormal community when there's not really a lot of us to begin with? Wow, I've never been asked that question before. You know what? To be honest with you, 
I really don't feel anything. Yeah. I mean, because I, I don't know. That, that's a, such a damn good question, dude. I mean, I'm actually speechless on it. Normally, I would have something to say, but I've, you know what? I've never experienced any kind of racism whatsoever uh, in, in this field. Uh, most of the people that I've talked to have been, you know, nice and very cool, you know. Um, and like I say, I meet people from all over, you know, from all over the world, all over the country, you know, and I get the same response that I get, you know, from one you know, individual to another, you know, and happy-go-lucky, you know. Yeah. And, and, but if they feel a certain way after, you know, I talk to them, I, I don't know. But, guess, you know, as... Yeah. I guess it was asked me a while ago that because there was not, you know, when I, when I thought about it, yeah, there is not really a lot of people of color in the paranormal community and stuff like that. And, and it, it almost would come as an advantage and I guess maybe a disadvantage depending on what you're investigating. Like if you're yeah. investigating a place that has, has slaves and, and uh, had slave spirits and slaves like that, they might be more comfortable to come talk to you versus say uh, someone uh, of that who's white that might, they might see as dangerous, like a slave owner or something like that. Versus right. you like, Oh, he's, he's another, he's, he's also a black guy. So we could actually talk to him too. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think that the work was saying for me, I don't really have that much native blood in me, but I do have some and they might see me and see my complexion and go, Oh, he might, you know, he, he actually looks like us. So we'd actually communicate with him better. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, actually, <laughs> I mean, when I put this team together, I didn't even look at the color yeah. of, of the team. I mean, I, I just, it just happened so fast, you know, uh, it was just something that we just did and just so happened with all of color, you know, and it, it, it was weird. Like I never noticed dude. I mean, I knew we were brothers, but I mean, I didn't think of it like that. You know, uh, nobody never asked me a question like that before. Well, you know, yeah, and, nor, and, nor myself until it was asked. I was like, yeah, oh, <laughs> the thought about it. Yeah, there is really a lot. Of, uh, people, and you know what? <laughs> and people, believe it or not, people have asked me, why come there's no Caucasians in your in, in your group? And I like, well, no Caucasian have ever got in contact with me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean I'm Cedar Park is probably eighty five percent Caucasian and I mean and I'm on every uh, uh, group that this community has to have. They know I'm here. Yeah. But you know, no one has yet to reach out to me and ask me, hey, I would like to come in and talk to you about joining your team. Now I've had other Caucasians from other other, you know, other states ask me, but you know, the first question I ask is where are you located? Mm-hmm. You know, if you located in Virginia, that's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean I'm open to everybody. I mean, if you can bring knowledge, uh to the team, if you could bring some kind, you know, skill level to the team, you know, and make our team more successful, you know, I am all for it, dude. I am a very cool guy, you know. I'm cool to get along with. I'm very open minded, you know. When it comes to the, you know, the paranormal world, I'm willing to try anything, at least once, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, nobody's actually reached out. I mean, it's kind of weird. Uh, actually, I think I'm probably the only 
minority paranormal team in Central Texas. Uh, there's a you know, uh, there's a couple of guys, uh, teams in San Antonio I know of that, you know, predominantly Hispanic, you know, and those guys, <laughs> I mean, those guys are really hard to get a hold of. I mean, because I've reached out to them. I mean, the only way I know that they're Hispanic is because I watch their YouTube channel. Mm. You know, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm open, dude. You know. To anyone, yeah, that's what I've learned when it comes to because of paranormal people, especially the ones that actually try to help people. That there's no ideal room for racism to exist in because you can't when it comes to trying to help spirits, especially ones of yeah. different, you know, you know, ethnic backgrounds and stuff like that. And it's funny, I said, I, I, uh, I think I, it comes an advantage and a disadvantage probably with Native Americans because I think my beard gives away that I'm part Spanish. And Spaniards and Native Americans don't really have their best of history. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I like your hairstyle you got going on, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the good thing about uh, uh, actually the great thing, dude, is that when you of color, you can, I mean, it seems like you're just welcomed in more. Yeah. I mean, because if you're Hispanic, or you Indians, and but and they've seen the atrocities that you know that African Americans have been through, or you know, those guys would open you in, you know, with open arms, and that's probably why that whenever I go to a uh, a cemetery or something, I, I feel more comfortable there. Uh, and when we went to uh, a Native American cemetery. Uh, I just felt a calmness just went over me. And I mean, I felt just, it, dude, it was just so calm. And the trees were just, it was just like a cool breeze. And I mean, I've never, I felt ease there, you know, compared to uh, the, uh, the other experiences, other uh, paranormal teams have experienced when they went there. You know, a total opposite. You mm-hmm. know uh, that they want you out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Well, I do enjoy this conversation. Yes, um, sir. Talking to other paranormal investigators is 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 always helpful because I get more information on different tactics to use and different things and stuff like that. Um, but I do appreciate you coming on. Uh, where can they find you? Where can they find NSPS uh, TV? Uh, NSPS TV. We're on every social media outlet. Uh, we're at NSPS TV on our Instagram. Uh, our Facebook page is Nice Stalkers Paranormal Society. I need to go and change that because people sometimes get confused on the two different names. But uh, NSPS TV is just, you know, we cut it in half and have it abbreviated for certain purposes. And I need to go back and change. Uh, Twitter at NSPS TV. Uh, we have a TikTok set up, but we don't use it because I've yet to understand it. <laughs> and <laughs> so we uh, and also we're on you. We got our YouTube channel. It's been up for a year. Uh, it's NSPS TV. Uh, we had just completed season one of uh, NSPS TV. So I, I urge you guys to go check out our 
all our YouTube videos. Uh, season two is going on right now. We're at uh, season two, episode three. Uh, the Sandbass Road investigation uh, was a pretty good investigation. Uh, I suggest you guys to go check it out. And don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, and share button. You know, uh, four of us, you know, we're from Central Texas. We're a small, you know, we're a small team. But, you know, we're out there trying to do the right thing and, and, and trying to be, you know, very successful at this. So, hey, I urge you guys to go check us out. All right. As always, we'll catch your weirdos in the next one.